Good day. I'm evangelist and pastor Derek E. Wilkes, president and founder of the Congregation of Churches. Welcome to our website and welcome to today's Gospel Publisher, uh, which is a partner podcast designed exclusively for our partners to empower them, encourage them, and strengthen them in the Word of God. Praise God. Today we're, we'll be studying on healing lessons healing lessons and we'll be looking at a series of healing lessons this is part one and you'll be able to find this on our website under the tab healing classes and so we'll be looking at this for several weeks and uh, we're confident that you'll be empowered and strengthened in the word of god through this series of lessons and you'll be healed the power of god will manifest in your physical body as you put a demand on what is being communicated uh, within these lessons let us get started. Father, your word conceived in our human spirit and formed by our tongue and spoken out of our mouth is creative ability that is working for us now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Go with me to the book of John chapter 9. John chapter 9. This first lesson is the healing of the man born blind. John chapter 9. And let's begin at verse, let's begin at verse 1. John chapter 9 and verse one, praise God, hallelujah. John chapter nine and verse one, you'll need your Bible. That's going to be important so that you can actually eyeball the scriptures that we'll be looking at. And we're gonna look at quite a few uh, today. John chapter nine and verse one, and it begins as follows. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, okay? This man was blind from his birth. That's an important consideration. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? Presupposing that there's a relationship between sin and sickness. Okay? Who did sin? This man, did he sin? Or his parents, that he was born blind? That seems like an odd question. The man was born blind. He's born blind. So if he was born blind, how could he have sinned if he was born blind? If he sinned and he was born blind, that would mean that he would have had to sin in his mother's womb because the man was born blind. Well, that seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Well, they actually believe that. There's a remnant of people that believe that in that day, they believe that you could sin from your mother's womb. And this is why they asked that question. Notwithstanding, they had sin consciousness based on the culture of uh, if a person sinned under the influence of the law, they would have sin consciousness for an entire year until the high priest would have made atonement for the sins of the people. Then they could have a sense of righteousness, consciousness again, you understand. And uh, once atonement was made for their sins. So there was a culture of sin consciousness, all right? But there was a, a, a thinking that a person could sin from their mother's womb. And so they asked this question, who did sin? 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. The man was blind from his birth, okay? And so now you go on to verse three, and Jesus answered, neither, neither. Now, are we to believe that the parents had not sinned in their lifetime? Of course not. Are we to believe that the man had not sinned in his lifetime? Of course not. But we already have established through the previous two verses that the man was born blind. But sin is connected to sickness. Jesus says neither. He didn't say that it wasn't sin. Okay. He said that neither hath this man sinned nor his parents that would have caused them to be blind. Yet what you and I need to understand is that it was sin. Well, Jesus said neither. He was saying that neither hath this man sinned nor his parents that caused him to be born blind. But it was sin. And I want to show that to you. It wasn't the man's sin, but sin opened the door. And you'll find that over in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 12. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. And we'll see some things here that's uh, extremely important to our study. You really need to tap into this, this understanding here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, verse 12, wherefore is by one man, somebody say one man, one man, Sin entered into the world. Sin entered into the world. What man was that? The first Adam. There's the first Adam and there's the last Adam. There's the first Adam and there's the last Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. Wherefore, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Notice the word sin and notice the word death, sin and death. The laws of sin and death and their corresponding manifestations. Now listen carefully. The laws of sin and death and their corresponding manifestations came into existence through Adam's high treason and, 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 and disobedience in the Garden of Eden. Adam's high treason and disobedience in the Garden of Eden, open the door to the laws of sin and death and their corresponding manifestations, which include sickness and disease, poverty, lack, deficiency, fear, all that came into existence through Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. The first Adam. All right. Now notice, let's read it. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Wilkes. I didn't do anything. I didn't sin. What did I do? I, I wasn't even here. I wasn't here when Adam did what he did in the Garden of Eden. What did I do? Well, you were born. You were born. That's it. That's all you did. You were born. You were born. Your being born made you a sinner. Because you inherited the sin nature of the first Adam. So what would you have to do in order to get rid of that sin nature? You would have to be born again. Once you're born again, then you receive the last, the nature of the last Adam, Jesus. You then be made the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. 
So Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we see that the laws of sin and death and their corresponding manifestations came into existence through Adam's disobedience. The sin of the first Adam opened the door to sin, sickness, disease, other manifestations of the curse, whereas the righteousness of the last Adam opened the door to righteousness, healing, and health. Righteousness, healing, and health. And so this is what opened the door. So when Jesus says, neither have this man sinned nor his parents he wasn't saying that it wasn't sin he was simply saying that it wasn't their sin but it was sin of course they couldn't uh you know the romans chapter 5 had not yet been written but jesus had understanding of these things so sin and death came into existence through the first man's disobedience and it affected all mankind born out of that first adam now we have some insight into that now i want you to see a series of uh, scripture references before we go into verses 4, 5, and 6, before we look at that in, the, in an extensive way, I want you to look at some uh, some other references that will help you to get some insight into what we'll be looking at. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Now, I'm going to look at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 references, 6 different scripture references I'm not going to look at them in an exhaustive way today. What I want to do is establish that God is glorified in your healing. God is glorified in your healing. That's what I want to establish right now. And uh, it's going to be an important consideration for when we read the balance of John chapter 9. So go with me to Matthew chapter 9 verses 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Praise God. Hallelujah. I just want you to see something. I want to highlight a couple of things here in, in, in these different references that we're going to look at. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And he, Jesus, entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on the bed. And Jesus, seeing their uh, faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts, for whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up your bed and go into your own house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. God was glorified when this man was healed. Now I'm going to let that sit there for a second. Was God glorified while the man was sick? Of course not. The devil was glorified while the man was sick. God was glorified after, say after, after the man was healed. God was glorified in the man's healing. Now go with me to the book of uh, uh, Matthew 15. Same book, but different chapter. Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 31. Matthew 15, verses 29 through 31. Verses 29 through 31. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. Okay. 
And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be made whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, that's the second time that we've seen that word glorified. God was glorified when these people were healed and, and made whole. God was glorified. So two instances, we find that God was glorified after, somebody say after, after someone was healed, after someone was made whole, after someone was delivered, God was glorified. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, please. Luke chapter 13. I know we're kicking over some cows, some sacred cows today, but this is good for us. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, please. Luke chapter 13. It's good to have your Bible so you can eyeball these references with me. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, and let's begin at verse 10. And as he, he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, that's a long time, and was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed for, from your infirmity or sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And what happened? They glorified God. She glorified God. This is the third instance where we see someone being healed and afterwards glorifying God. Say after. After she was healed, not before. God didn't receive any glory out of the sickness. Don't ever think that. Don't ever think that God is glorified in your sickness, your disease, or anything like that. Don't ever think that. Erase those thoughts from your mind. God is glorified in your healing. Go with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, and look at verses 11 through 15. Luke chapter 17, please, and verses 11 through 15. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 15. And it came to pass, as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village that met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice and glorified the God of Israel. Glorify God. Say after. After he was healed. He glorified God, not before, after. All right, so we looked at one, two, three, four instances in which God was glorified after, say after, after the person was healed. All right, now let's go to Luke 18, verses 35 through 43, please. Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. Luke 18, verse 35, and uh, we'll read into verse 43. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh into Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. 
And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed sith by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace or shut up. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him that he be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What will you that I should do unto you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive your sight. Your faith have saved you or healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. We looked at one, two, three, four, five references where God was glorified after. Say after. After. Now, Acts chapter 4 and verse 21. Acts 4 and verse 21. And uh, here in this instance, uh, this is, this is uh, you're going to see here where people are glorifying God because of something that took place with a man found in the book of Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. There was a man, a lame man at a gate called Beautiful who was healed through the ministry of Peter and John. And once he was healed, Peter and John was persecuted. As a result of it, they were imprisoned or locked up. And uh, uh, they were told, they were threatened not to teach and preach in this name anymore. Let's pick up in Acts chapter 4 and verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Again, God is, we've looked at six instances wherein God was glorified after, say after, after someone had been healed. Not before, but after. Now, let's go back to John chapter 9. Let's go back to John chapter 9, and we'll pick up where we left off. John chapter 9. Now, I needed to set you up for something that I need uh, you to see here. John chapter 9, and going back to verse 1, And Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did send this man or his parents that he was born blind? All right? Then Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, some would read this in this way. All right, so God made the man sick so that he could work a work in the man. Some would read it in that way, and that would be wrong. God made the man sick so that he could manifest himself in the man's body and heal him. God made him sick so that he could be glorified. God made him sick so that later on he could heal the man and then be glorified. No, 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 no. God is not the author of sickness and disease. God is not the author of sickness and disease. He is the author of healing. God is the author of good. And uh, he says, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, God had not yet worked the works through his son, Jesus. Jesus had not yet worked the works. The works had not yet been manifest. Look at verse 4. I must work the works of him. I must work the works of him. That tells us that he had not yet worked the work. So the sickness was not a work of God. But Jesus is about to work a work. And when he works this work, the man will be healed and God will be glorified. I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. So Jesus is about to work the work. What were the works of Jesus? 
what were the works of Jesus? Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Those are many of the things that he did as he walked the earth. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Praise God. And you and I can engage in that same type of work. You, if, perhaps you need a manifestation of healing in your physical body today. That's, that's fine. You can experience a manifestation of God's glory in your physical body. But then you can also go out and administer healing to others. Glory to God. Let's look at some references here. Now, I want to give you some references. Now, certainly I want you to jot them down, but I also want you to, uh, I want you to look at them right now with me. There's about five references, five scriptural references that I'm going to uh, ask you to turn to with me. I want you to look at them with your own eyes, because as you look at it, revelation can leap off of the pages and come into your heart. Revelation. See, as you're looking at this written word of God, this is called Logos. But I want you to tap into Rhema. Rhema. Rhema will come to you as you meditate, ponder, think about the word of God, the written word of God. As you ponder the things that you hear today, revelation will come to you. Rhema. Rhema words will come to you from the Father, right to your heart. So I want you to look at these references with me. Go to 1 John 3, 8. Little John, the epistle of John. 1 John 3, 8 in the back of your Bible. And it reads as follows. For this purpose was Jesus manifested. Jesus was manifested for a purpose. What was the purpose? That he might destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil were destroyed when Jesus went to the cross, died for your sins, went to hell, was raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven, and sent back his, uh, sent back the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And so the works of Jesus... What Jesus did was he destroyed the works of the devil when he went to the cross and died for your sins. He had to go to hell, of course, but he was raised from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, the works of the devil were destroyed. It wasn't simply ministering healing to someone, uh, you know, as he walked the earth. That, that wasn't the, the total destruction of the works of the devil, you know, because there's other people that could get sick. But Jesus took care of the sin problem once and for all. He made provision for you and I to walk in healing and health once and for all. He did that at the cross. He did that when he died for your sins. First Peter 2.24 says, who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree that you and I being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. There's a relationship between sin and sickness and righteousness and healing. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was Jesus manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. All right. Psalm 107 and verse 20. Psalm 107, verse 20. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word. God sent his word. The word that's being referred to here is Jesus. Jesus is the living word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions, delivered them from their destructions. The word referred to here was Jesus himself and his work at the cross. Go with me to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, please. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now stop there for a moment. He wasn't operating in his Godhead powers. He was operating as a man anointed of God. He was operating as a man anointed of God. Jesus was Christened in the River Jordan. 
Christened. Glory to God. God anointed. It doesn't say that God anointed God. It says that God anointed Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing. All that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with them. Glory to God. You're looking at this with your own eyes. You're looking at it with your own eyes. You can't deny it. Glory to God. God is good. The devil is evil. Praise God. Matthew 4.23. Matthew 4.23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease amongst the people. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what it's labeled. Cancer, COVID, diabetes, lupus. It doesn't matter. Blindness. It doesn't matter what it's labeled. There's a name that's greater than your sickness or infirmity. Glory to God. Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. Glory to God. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, please. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is up on me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So now let's talk about the works of Jesus in healing the sick on earth as an example to us. Jesus was our example of who we are in him. All right. And on the cross, he was our substitute. On earth, Jesus functioned as an example to us, whereas on the cross, he was our substitute. He, he, uh, he was, there was an exchange system uh, put in place. Jesus became sin, you became righteous. Jesus became sick, you were made healed. Jesus became poor, you were made rich. Glory to God. Pastor Wilkes, do you have scripture for that? Of course I do. Second uh, Corinthians 8, 9. Jesus was made to be poor, that you might be made rich. Second Corinthians 5, 21. Jesus was made sin. You are made righteous. First Peter 2, 24. Jesus was made sick. You were made healed. Praise God. And there's more, but that is... Uh, uh, some, some specific references to what I just said to you. Glory to God. All right, now let's go to John chapter 14 and 10, and let's find out how Jesus did his work. How did he do the works of the Father? How did he do the works that he uh, needed to work? John chapter 14 and verse 10, and we'll also look at verse 12 while we're there. John 14, 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. He doeth the works. Now, 
What is this telling us? What is this showing us? Jesus said that he only, he only said what he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. So he only said what he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. And this is seeing the father from the inside. This is hearing from the father on the inside. And uh, here he's telling us the same thing. Believest thou not that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, the words, the rhema words that I speak unto you, that's the word rhema there for the word word, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth work. So if I speak the Father's word, I'm enabling him to do now what he wants to do, because I'm speaking those specific tailored-made words that he gave me to speak. And I'm doing exactly what he told me to do, and now the power of God can go to work. I'm releasing my faith. Jesus was releasing his faith in this way. Now, if we're to do the works of Jesus, we have to follow the same pattern. Make sure that we only do what we see the Father do and only say what we hear the Father say. Look at verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So you and I can do the works of Jesus, but you're going to have to follow the same pattern. Amen. Now, there was a work that Jesus could not do while he walked the earth. He could not do the greater work. What was the greater work? The greater work was to get people born again. Jesus could not get anybody born again. Why not? Because, he, you know, if you recall Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you recall Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? That God has raised him from the dead. Listen to that. God raised him from the dead. Well, in order to be raised from the dead, you have to die, right? You gotta, you, I mean, if you're going to be raised from the dead, you have to die so that you can be dead, so that you can be raised from the dead, right? Well, as Jesus walked the earth, he had not yet died. So from the, the beginning of his ministry at the age of 30 all the way up into the cross, he's not dead. None of those people that he was ministering to, none of them were Christians. None of them were Christians. And none of them could be born again because none of them could say, I believe that you died for my sins because Jesus had not yet died for their sins. So that they could say, I believe he was raised from the dead and that he died for my sins. He had not yet died. Well, how can you be a Christian if you can't believe on the resurrection of Jesus? He had not yet died so that he could be raised, so that he could take your uh, his own blood into the heavenly holy of holies and drop it off in your behalf to make remission for sins of the people. So, the greater work is to be able to get someone born again. Jesus could not do that, but you and I can. That's the greater work. You and I can get people born again. All right? And greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. Make sense? So, once I go to the Father, I send back the Holy Spirit. He will reside, dwell within you, and be with you, and be on you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, now go back to John chapter 9, and let's finish up with what we have here in John. John chapter 9, and let's uh, pick up at verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spit, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, he goes on to imply something here in verse 5. He goes on to imply that sin is a manifestation of darkness. Sin is a manifestation of darkness. 
when he says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world, in response to the question, who did sin, this man or his parents that was born blind? And he goes on to say some things, but, you know, moving into verse five, he says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So there's a relationship between his response and the question that they ask concerning who sinned. Intriguingly, we see a revelation of this uh, in James chapter four and verse 17, there's a, a, a relationship between light and sin. There's a relationship between light and sin. In other words, sin is a violation of the light that you have. You can find that over in James chapter four and verse 17. Uh, he that knows to do right and doesn't do it is sin to him. Sin is a violation of the light that you currently have. John chapter nine, verse seven, and said unto him, uh, Jesus said to the man, go wash in the pool of psyllium, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which uh, before had uh, seen him, that he was blind, said, is this not the man that sat and begged? Verse 9, some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were your eyes opened? Verse 11, he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus. Glory to God. The man is now becoming a witness. He's becoming a witness now. He's seen something. You know, a witness is someone that can testify about something that he has personally seen, heard, and knows, or has experienced. This man experienced something. This man has a testimony. Praise God. Now, uh, he said a man called Jesus. Glory to God. I love that. A man called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of psyllium and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. The man is giving his testimony. Verse 17, jump to verse 17. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? And the man responded. Now you're going to notice his testimony is getting stronger and stronger. He is a prophet. First, he was a man called Jesus. Now, he is a prophet. Jump down to verse 25. Verse 25. He has said, whether he's a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Now I see. The man now sees. Glory to God. But he doesn't have to be the only one because Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of the whole world. In fact, Provision has been made available for you to be born again. Provision has been made available for you to be healed. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you would be saved. Glory to God. Now that word saved comes from the root word sozo, and it represents saved, healed, delivered, whole. Say that with me. Saved, healed, delivered, whole whole. Say it again. Saved, healed, delivered, whole. Say it one more time. Saved, healed, delivered, whole. This is what took place when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, you are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live inside of a physical body. The spirit part of you is the part of you that was reborn. The soul part of you is the part of you that is to be renewed. The body part of you is the part of you that is to be retrained. Spirit, soul, body. You don't live from the outside in. You live from the inside out. You are saved, the spirit part of you. You are saved, you're healed, you're whole, you're delivered, you're complete. But now, as the mind is renewed, 
as you get a revelation of who you are, and as your mind is renewed to that revelation, you can bring your body into subjection to who you are. You are the healed, and God wants you to know that. Now, I want to pray with you, pray for you right now. If you're listening and watching, I want you to say this with me, and then I'm going to release my faith in your behalf. Say this with me. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body. Say it again. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body. Now, praise God. Now, listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to release my faith in your behalf. Now, I just want you to lift your hands and just receive. Father, I thank you for my partner. I thank you for our brother and sister in Christ. I thank you, Father, for this individual that have uh, that is partaking of this message and this service and our ministry for the first time. I thank you, Father, that this individual will experience the manifestation of your glory, your power within their physical bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Healing be in you now. Manifestation of the power of God flow to you now. Glory to God. Manifestation of the power of God flow to you now in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Say, I receive. Now do something you couldn't do before and experience the power of God. And give God glory. Contact us. Let us know what God has done for you today. Praise God. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. If you've not had an opportunity to connect with us in partnership, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do so. Simply visit our website at www.congregationofchurches.org. That's www.congregationofchurches.org. And tap onto the partner link at the top of our site. And also consider uh, supporting us financially. You can simply tap onto the link that says donation. And you can give right there via PayPal or Praise God. Well, I'm Evangelist Pastor Derek Wilson. I have a conversation with churches.